0: Hey, the International Critical Thinking Conference is coming up. Go to criticalthinking.org for more details. I hope you can join us for this virtual event that's going to go on for several days. And we also hope that you enjoy the show. Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! We are on location. We are at the windy Bowman Field Airport once again.
1: Yes. We were
0: not able to procure inside space. I think they heard that we were inside last time, and they decided no more of that. No
1: more critical thinking inside the airport. Yeah, they
0: locked, they locked it down. We're so, right
1: here next to the runway, folks. Uh, I don't think yeah. we we'll get it. No. Yeah, maybe another time. Well. We are here and it is an election year. Yeah.
0: In case you, case you a, didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. In case you're listening to this in some year that's not an election and year. And
1: a pandemic year. Uh huh. Uh
0: huh. A lot going on this year. A lot of protests this year. A
1: lot going on. Yeah. So, a topic that's pretty salient. Uh huh. Is. Okay. How do we interact with people who disagree, who have different, different points of view than we do? How, how can we do that in a. In a, in a productive, critical thinking centric way. It seems like we talk about this on the regular. I, you really? You think we do? I think we do, don't we? Well, for those of you just tuning in for the first time,
0: this is critical thinking for everyone.
1: Yes, and I yeah. am Patty Payette.
0: She is Patty Payette. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I'm Brian Barnes. Yes. I guess that's the other part you want. And
1: we've been talking about critical thinking in people's minds for. Uh, a lot of episodes. How hmm. many episodes?
0: 120 something.
1: 120 some episodes yep. here on forwardradio.org.
0: Yep, yep. And we're on SoundCloud. And yep. uh, you are listening, of course, to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, WFMP, LP, Louisville, Kentucky. And as you mentioned, find more at forwardradio.org .org. and SoundCloud. Yeah, for for
1: our back episodes.
0: Yeah, for sure. We
1: have talked about we have talked about how to interact people who dis, who disagree with you, how to interact with them. Yeah. Um, but I don't. We have never really talked about it with this particular lens.
0: Oh yeah. Well, okay. Are you suggesting that there is more than one way to think about something, even when we're doing critical thinking? Because it seems like that's what we're always going for, right? Is that this is the critical thinking way? to do it as opposed to the not critical thinking way. Last week, we even talked about critical versus like non-critical or didactic ways. So Are you saying that in critical thinking there might be more than one way to address the same topic? Yes. Uh, yes. It, ma- it makes it sound yes. impossible that anyone would ever learn anything about this.
1: I mean, it just seems like it's... Such a heavy lift. It's huge. It's so, it's so big. It is big, but... The good news is that there are experts who can help us.
0: Experts like
1: experts the like the Foundation
0: for Critical Thinking. Foundation We've for
1: Critical Talked Thinking for them. sure.
0: I two A. That's your yeah. Bag. Ideas to
1: action. So there's lots of stuff out there. But I stumbled upon an article, which you know me. This is my thing I do on the regular. You I stumble. Do. You stumble. I stumble on articles yeah. constantly. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, my my critical thinking ears perk up. And I say, Patty perhaps
0: you should change your intellectual footwear. <laughs> and you say, rubbish. The stumbling,
1: stumbling is, is part of my process. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the yeah. stumbling is it's very percolation. Brave. It's very brave. Percolation. Yeah, gotcha. So this article, can we talk about this article? There's actually two articles today. Two stumbles in a week. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that sounds Well, powerful.
1: they're linked, embedded. One was embedded in the other.
0: Okay. Okay. There's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> if you if you think of it, feel free to send right. it to uh, Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. We are looking for more joke contributions, especially Brian. Well, well, yeah, I am. I mean, we had a small joke Renaissance just earlier this recently summer, yeah. ago, and I think that it was nice. I I wasn't able to muster the intellectual energy, frankly, to continue it on my own. But I am certainly open. It seems like occasionally our dear listeners make themselves known. And so maybe this is a way you can
1: reach out to us. and Share give your us,
0: favorite joke. Especially if you've already done it before. I mean, the second time will be just as, it'd be just as painless. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Reach out to us on our Facebook because that's pretty much how you can reach out to us. I think we we so. don't have a fancy PR company that We don't handles even have are.
0: kind of a... Cheap and trashy one, yeah, <laughs> not at all. But we we wouldn't not, mind
1: getting one, though. We
0: would take one. Yeah. Yeah, but right now we have Facebook. Yeah, and that's we also it. Yeah, we also have, uh, you know, forwardradio.org. I suppose that somebody could get a message to us.
1: Yeah. So, and they have in the past.
0: I wish you'd just enjoy the show, if nothing else. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: this article is called, Why Is It So Hard to Change People's Minds? Yeah. Okay, by Elizabeth Svoboda. Yeah. This is from 2017. So this was right after shortly after well, a year or so after Trump was elected. This is from an organization called Greater Good.
0: Can I give an obvious answer that Why is it so hard to change people's minds? Yeah, that she has she definitely won't say. What? Minds are not interchangeable. Ah, okay. I mean you literally can't swap them out. I think some people are already into the futuristic scientific You know. Swapping out minds. Yeah, or, you know, maybe we can just immediately pump information into our minds. You know, this kind of thing. We can, any shortcomings in our minds could be addressed with, like, technology, for example. I find these kinds of attitudes among students quite a bit, and I think that it's, um, Hmm. it's a little bit, um... It's a little bit irresponsible, you know. The minds still operate the old-fashioned way, and you you literally can't swap them out.
1: But someone's listening, and you know what they're saying to themselves?
0: Yeah, they're saying, "F <laughs> that Brian Barnes." They know. They're,
1: they're saying, "Patty and Brian, why is it so hard to change people's minds?" You're you've been trying to do this with your radio show is is enhance people's critical thinking, which is changing their minds. You've been trying to do that for almost two years on this show. Maybe I I don't know. Maybe two and a half years. That's what somebody could say to us.
0: And I would say I've been betting against us this whole time. The <laughs> oh. F, the F stands for fail. Oh. Fail, Brian Barnes. Fail. I think we're making headway, but well, the reality is no one can change the mind. The mind has yes, to change itself. Exactly. Right. Well so, said. But nonetheless, they're not in, even if I want to change my own mind, like go to Walmart and get a new one to swap it out. Yeah. I'm afraid it doesn't work that way.
1: So Elizabeth starts with a common scenario that many of us can relate to.
0: This is not a science fiction scenario. We, no. Okay. She
1: says it's probably happened to you more than once. And I know it's happened to you more than once, oh, Brian Barnes. Man. Whenever you say it's, stuff like that,
0: I think, what, is it, what in the <laughs>
1: world will she say? That You've spent a lot of time trying to convince someone that their opinion on a particular issue is wrong. Oh, we've man. all been in that situation, I've right? I've
0: certainly been in that situation.
1: Whether it's online, whether it's in person in the classroom, in with our partners, with our yeah. family members around the Thanksgiving. We did a whole show yeah. about this around the Thanksgiving dinner table.
0: Yeah, we should really just pause for a moment. I mean, a lot of people want to say, you know what? For better living, you just stop arguing with folks you and just let those things go, you know? W- well, and uh, you know There's something to be said for the critical thinker putting him or herself on the line in real situations such that the opinions that they arrive at actually matters and other people have opposing opinions. And we all test it in the sort of um, realm of logic and evidence and and see how it goes. And I think that that's a useful thing. And I don't think, even if that's just the realm of logic and evidence around the thanksgiving table i mean the point is you're appealing to someone and trying to shape these skills and you use these skills on your own mind as well as other minds i think it's valuable work and i think we ought not shy away from it just maybe we don't want to end up
1: as a you know
0: as a big jerk but
1: okay well here's the thing doesn't frighten everyone big jerk newsflash evidence (laughs) and logic does not change do not they don't change people's minds Come on. Okay. Come on. Come on. Didn't you listen to Socrates? <laughs> listen, anyone outside of philosophy classroom, this does not what? change their minds. What? So okay. What do you let's, use? Let's, a hammer? Let's let's let let's let Elizabeth make her points here. Okay? I just think this is offensive she to the says, whole premise of the case. She show. she says you start with she actually says, kind of like what you're saying right now, she says, a lot of times what we do is we take pains to make sure our argument is airtight, right? We have evidence. We have logic. Like, we focus on that. But instead of Airtight's coming talk. around to our point of view, what happens is the other person pushes back, That's still okay. convinced of their ultimate rightness. It's okay. Okay, so so don't then be, don't she be worried, says, Elizabeth. By, the t- by the end of your debate, you're faced with the same stalemate you had at the beginning. And your relationship may be feeling the strain.
0: This is... I, hmm, is this, this is the entirety of point one or does she come back with rejoinder? Well,
1: she's, no, she's, she's setting this up as a common dilemma. Okay. okay. I just so, want to say
0: that there are ways to deal with this. Okay. You don't have to leave it there.
1: No, but let, let's hear her, what she has to say. I do. Say I just want to make sure
0: she had more.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. All right. She's just setting up. This is just the first paragraph. Well, she's it's just a, setting it's it up. It's
0: a feisty first paragraph. Well, let me say, she from is a making, thinking point of view. Right, you're right. right.
1: She's making big generalization. Oh man. And she's, so she's asking. Why is it so hard to convince others to change their minds? And mm. she said, "Well, this is interesting." She said, "People have puzzled over this for a millennia." And I'm like, "Okay, maybe they have."
0: <laughs> Some people have a have an inkling, yeah. too.
1: And she said, "While it's easy to conclude that people's views are barometers of their moral elevation, right? Well, it is we... because they <laughs> often
0: they claim that it is the case, right?
1: Right. But the more nuanced truth is that a broad range of factors help explain deeply entrenched beliefs. So before we even think about how do I use logic and evidence, let's try to understand what, what makes people feel so grounded and and hold on so tightly to beliefs. What are the being able to understand that helps us understand about our approach in having these conversations.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Okay? Sure. So she says, sure, in some cases people are focused on policy issues. Like like for some people that might be might be like a dog with a bone, right? Whether it's about abortion, whether it's about voting rights, or whether it's about whatever, right? That could be the thing that they will not back off on. Maybe that's their the hill they're going to die on, okay?
0: Oh, man. She said, but for I'm sure others, they don't think so.
1: No, but for others, the, brain te- the brain's tendency to stay the course may, pay, may play a larger role, okay? Psychological research suggests that once our minds are made up on important issues, changing them can be as difficult as stopping a train hurdling at full speed. So, like, once we've decided this is how I feel about Joe Biden or this is how I feel about this policy issue that my city is trying to voice down my throat, yeah. that that's really hard for people. And so she's looking at what makes that so hard for people to let go of that stuff. You alluded to something last week.
0: Oh, well, I just wanted to point out something else, but what was it I alluded to last you, week? Last
1: week you alluded to the fact that some students don't want to let go of long-held beliefs because it would require them to then disengage from a whole social or familial set of relationships that they don't want to give up.
0: Oh, I think that's absolutely true. I was just going to say that one of the ways you overcome that and this is through self-reflection, right? You got to stop and think about your thinking and ask yourself if this is the kind of thinking that you want to be doing. Can you justify the thinking that's going on here?
1: And it might prompt you to make a change. Right. She says... Okay, so I agree with you. That self-reflection is key if people are willing to do it.
0: Yeah, so, that's what I was, yeah, was going to say. Yeah. If people, people, if they want to, right. <laughs> right, or, Which is some not. of
1: the things <clears throat> that get in the way. It's
0: a critical thinking show. Yes. Yeah, so people might want
1: to <laughs> is all I'm saying. I don't <laughs> if know. If you're tuning in, we're making an assumption about your ability to be self-reflection.
0: Well, your interest. Self-reflective. I think, I think we're making assumptions
1: about, about your interest. interest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So it's she, for everyone, so it's abilities there.
1: She says, when your stance on controversial issues both cements your group identity, that's kind of like what you were talking about last week, and plants you in opposition to perceived enemies, changing it can take a high personal toll.
0: Absolutely, sure. Right? So if I
1: don't believe this anymore, wait, does that mean I'm a Democrat or a Republican? Wait a minute. This might
0: change who I am completely. That might be a core belief. That might also mean that uh, I can't. You know, sit at the same table at the family party or whatever, because now I'm not one of the in-group. Feels very risky. Could be, yeah.
1: This reminds me of an article that was in the New Yorker um, a couple years ago about why facts don't change people's minds, and they actually talked about an evolutionary um, impulse uh, that's sort of grounded in, in in our evolutionary urge to belong, to stay with the tribe, uh-huh. to like go along to get along. They talked about the importance of almost like this um, sense survival mechanism. Um, But, but, But every time you say that, I
0: just want to ask, but we do change our minds. We do use facts to change our minds. Yes, yes. So, I mean, for it to be evolutionary, would I be able to just, some facts I would be able to selectively go ahead and, and, use to form a chain of inference to then conclude something brand new while other facts i just follow the group yeah. uh-huh but how do i how do i if so, if it's evolutionary how does some of sometimes it happen and other times it because doesn't because
1: you're because what you're doing is you're becoming aware it could be depending on how risky that view puts you on the margins of your Group. So this is how she says it. We're social animals instinctively reliant on our tribe for safety and protection. Mm -hmm. Any disloyalty literally feels dangerous. Like the Uh, tribe will kick you out.
0: Yeah, sure. The effect
1: is magnified in people already worried. So it's not like everybody experiences at the same extent all the time. But they're saying that there's a deep-seated impulse, many, that that for many of us, we have to overcome that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, okay. Well, all right. And, you know, one way to do that, of course, is to start analyzing my thinking and then noticing that my thinking is different from the thinking of others, not in a knee-jerk way, but in a sort of responsive, um, uh, evaluative, kind of judgment-based way, right? And then we can, um, once we have those judgments in place... Then uh, we can decide whether we want to follow the thinking that we started with, or whether we want to follow uh, some other thinking, right? Because we can do comparative things.
1: But you know, it feels really good to just stay in your thinking, your comfortable rut. Feels really good. <sighs> I don't know. Feels re- really good for yeah, a lot of people. People say It's just a lot of work. You know what you're say asking. that, but I I think it feels bad. Really. Yeah, I
0: think it feels I think it feels bad when I know that I should be thinking differently and I've actively chosen not to do that. Like not I not to
1: do the work. Yeah, right? like
0: I've said, yeah, I mean, God, just thinking about it just makes me feel like a like a real dummy, like I've really kind of abdicated my responsibility toward my thinking that I see that there really is thinking that needs to be done in this direction. And I, I choose not to do that thinking for any number of reasons, maybe rationalizations, whatever. But then at the end of the day, I guess I don't feel like a dummy if I if I admit that. And so I, I suppose I feel comfortable with that because I admit that. It's when I don't admit it. It's right. when I say, oh, yeah, I do have an opinion about a sports team versus another sports team, but I've never looked into it. <laughs> You know, right. I do have an opinion about politician X over politician Y, but I've really never looked into it.
1: And and because yeah. a lot of it is grounded in emotion where people feel yeah. pretty solid about the feeling so yep. why have to think about it if it feels so
0: well and that's and, true. and that feels terrible as far as I'm concerned because the emotion shouldn't be if it's a serious issue I shouldn't be deciding based on emotion now if someone if I go out to a nice dinner or something and someone puts you know two different desserts in front of me and says ah Barnes try them both and let me know which one you really think is best I go oh yeah I'm gonna even ask him are you looking for something in particular about my opinion here like you want me oh to respond God. to some
1: parti- are you that guy well, I
0: want to know because they they did this thing and they want to know my opinion I want to know if they, or, or the, if they just say ah you know what? It's whatever you want. Just, just give us your preference. I think that's great, and I honor that, and I will give them no information beyond my preference because that's what they ask for, <laughs> oh my God. and I'll revel in that. But they're just, for me to form a preference, even within my own head, I'm going to decide. I'm going to have an experience. Like, for sure, if one dessert knocks me to the floor and I'm just confused... After the first bite, like I've never really had anything quite like this, and I'm just so uh, taken by it that I can't keep my 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 balance. Okay, I'll go ahead. I'll just go ahead with a an emotional response and say that's going to be the better dessert because I don't imagine I'll have two of those desserts in the same setting. But under normal conditions, I think I'm really going to, having had a lot of desserts, I think I'm going to have criteria that I use, you know, to even form my own preference. I mean, I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, sure, sure. So why are you sighing
1: at me? What's what's the problem here? <laughs> well, is I you're it, very so rational. No, so you're boring. very rational. What would you do? You're very rational is in your bad? approach. No, I'm just saying tell most me, human beings are, especially around things not related to dessert. Well, actually, that's tell not me true. about
0: two desserts, Patty. Tell me tell me about how you would operate in this scenario somebody puts down two desserts in front of me yeah. and says here
1: which i just go just, by what tastes good
0: but would would there be any other criteria i mean would you have i mean i mean it'd just be just straight up nothing about oh. mouth feel nothing about
1: uh, color and smell
0: nothing about sure
1: maybe and it maybe if it's fresh you know not not from a package you know how would, that you would be, be able to tell uh, i wouldn't i would try to infer But would you go – But I mean, but that's – wouldn't that be evidence-based? All right. What's the point here?
0: Just trying to figure out if there's criteria in your use of – in your uh, uh, judgment over the two desserts because mine was criteria-heavy. And you seem to think that wasn't representative of how people do it. Well, I'm just, no. I'm just trying to figure out what it is that you think it's not. I mean, what what do people
1: do then? I think most people in situations like that or a lot of decisions they have to make go with what feels right or what feels comfortable, what feels familiar. So, so for example. So not
0: necessarily what. Taste the best, for example. Maybe um, just sometimes some,
1: right. It's in it, it a lot of times of what things. tastes the best is what feels comfortable and familiar. Yeah, I got it. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So um this author talks about that uh again, thinking about human nature, uh that researchers who study how people resolve cognitive dissonance, okay, which is right, that feeling of holding inconsistent inconsistent beliefs. Well, yeah, so right? I,
0: end up, I end up being confused. By what I believe
1: and what reality hands me are two different things I experience, cognitive dissonance. I expected
0: them to be the same.
1: Right. Yeah, right. Right. And so this actually is, some of the research shows, cognitive dissonance is one of the things that can become a door opening to people changing their minds when they have that moment of, wait a minute, I always thought this was true about this group of people, wait a minute, that I just experienced that's not true.
0: Can I give a cognitive dissonance story? Sure. An example really quickly, when I was in college, my freshman year of college, I was terrible, I was a terrible student my freshman year of college. Uh, just you, really, you have
1: spoken about this I in was the past. so terrible,
0: but I was so arrogant. I was so concerned, I was so convinced that I was so smart, but I, my first semester, I just wasn't demonstrating it, you know? I mean, I was missing classes. I was missing assignments. I wasn't necessarily doing well on on the assignments that I did turn in. I really wasn't understanding, but it wasn't clear to me that I didn't understand. I see. You know, because I was reading things and taking notes. And, of course, if I, look, I I underlined everything in pretty much this whole book. (laughs) Right. You know? I should get it. And I remember this moment. This moment really sticks with me. It wasn't, by itself, believe it or not, this was not enough for me to affect change. But... This strikes me as a moment when I experienced such profound dissonance, and it made a change. I I had this philosophy class. It was the first philosophy class I ever had, and I swore that I would never take a philosophy class again after this horrible experience of philosophy class. Oh, right. Well, it was at eight a.m. four days a week. I didn't go a lot. (laughs) That was early. That was pretty early. I didn't pick it. It was it was one of the only classes left open. By the time I got around to adding that philosophy class. I didn't like the topic. I didn't understand the professor. I didn't like the book. It was a bad combination. <laughs> I didn't care anything about a philosophy class. <laughs> that's for sure. Wow. It was applied ethics. Wow. <laughs> oh. Disgusting! <laughs> what a pay, what a waste of everyone's uh. time. So, so I so I, I I missed a couple of classes. Uh huh. Uh huh. And there I knew there was a test coming up. For sure, I had a syllabus. Like, for sure, I'd been given one. Of course, back in the day, you can't go to Blackboard and get a new one. Where that syllabus had gone continues to be a mystery, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. And um, one day, I just I thought I should really go back to class, and I should go find out when this test is. You know, yeah. I should and and see if there's any extra I need. I knew I need to read this book, but so I I thought, no, you know what. <sighs> guy he always talks to me like I'm such an idiot. I'm just not even going to go to class. I'm just not, I, I can't deal with that guy today. You know, the way he's going. That went on for a couple more days until <laughs> I finally said, look, I got to go find out. I knew. I knew no one in class. I said, I got to go find out when this test is. I know it's coming up soon. So I went to class at 8 a.m. I'm ready to go. I was <laughs> So I had this thing whipped, right? I had I got up and took a shower. I had, you know, special going to class clothes on. It was like it was day one <laughs> coming back to this class. People probably didn't even remember me, right? But I'm a, I registered for this thing. I'm coming in, right? <laughs> so I rolled up. Classroom is empty. Empty. I went. the I remember this so much because the profound sense of dissonance that I had right, right. then staring at this room. Checking the room number, looking at my schedule, look, trying to figure this out. I started wandering the rooms of the building, <laughs> just thinking I'll just walk past it. Turns out, I had, I've had ended up in a secretary's office, very upset. Ended up across <laughs> campus at another building that it had moved into. <laughs>
1: oh, so the class had moved? It
0: had. It had moved to this other building, and which, you know, I went as soon as I right. found this out from the secretary, about a half hour late. Guess when the test was.
1: (laughs) You missed the test. It was that day. It was that day.
0: (laughs) Mr. Barnes, how nice of you to join (laughs) us. I mean, oh, this guy. Anyway, yeah, and I was so rattled. I was so rattled. I was in the test about five minutes, and I just left. I was so rattled. I did so poorly in that class. Um, The dissonance really got me. It did not lead, however— too profound change all on its own. Really? But I did I did think about it a great deal. I felt like that was a huge <laughs> error on my part.
1: So well, it, maybe then it created cognitive dissonance in your assumptions that you had about oh, yeah. about how you could skate along in this scenario. Well,
0: that was exactly it because I'd had these assumptions about myself and my ability to sort of, right. you know, tackle college and, you know, make a big splash and all this and really that was just one of the many errors my freshman year where you I assume, oh, yes. I've got, I've got more. Well, good Lord.
1: We, um, we're we probably
0: running out of time though. I'm sure that our sponsors, whoever they are, are totally disgusted <laughs> with this use of time.
1: They're having cognitive dissonance. That's right. Uh, but we're worth it. So, so often it's when we have those moments of conflict between, again, what we believe and what actually happens that, that pushes us sort of back on our heels to say, well, wait, well, really, what is true about my worldview what yeah. is true about this scenario yeah so this author talks about that um you know most people would rather deny or downplay new uncomfortable information yeah then accommodate it again it's are that you saying
0: it's because it's it's too much work
1: it's a lot of work why and why is I've it really so much work why well why why can't i just incorporate it well from from this perspective and from the perspective of people would rather downplay new information than having to reshape their yeah. thinking so it's less surprising that your friend whose behavior toward women is above reproach is more than willing to support politicians who've committed sexual assault uh. All Right. so when we see that it seems like that
0: would be a deal breaker you know yeah. like you because well. the politician has to have some level of personal character and well, there have to be some lines. I mean, assault would seem to cross I know,
1: an important but yet, civil line. Yet, we, I know there are people who know Donald Trump maybe is guilty of these things, but still support him.
0: No, that's true. That's true. I mean, I just, I do find it, I do find it remarkable. And they say, ah, but you, re- you. Support people involved in Pizzagate scandal, and I say, ah, that's not real. <laughs>
1: that's not r- I'm so sorry. That is- yeah. She said— um, tell, even-
0: tell QAnon I said hi. <laughs> she
1: said even lukewarm advocates can be resistant to updating their beliefs since the very act of deciding between alternatives changes the way we evaluate each option. This is a really interesting study. One classic study had subjects look at an array, an array of home gadgets, and rate their desirability. Okay. After they had made a decision about which one to take home as a gift, let's say that she says the fluorescent desk light, their opinion of the item they'd chosen tend to rise, while the opinion of what's left behind soured. So it's almost hmm. again this this sort of unconscious way that we protect our choices or our decisions right. by even just subtly seeing those other choices as negative or invalid, even if five minutes ago they were neutral.
0: Well, and it seems to me that uh, that might also be a kind of defense mechanism, right? Um, yeah. Where there's some kind of uh, um, something at stake that you might lose if you do if you back off of that, right? Is that Right? Yeah. She
1: says that if you are going to rethink your choice, then you might have, you might demonstrate you're, you're not as happy with your decision. And then that could feel like you just want to avoid that whole emotional morass. So I'm just going to really cling to this decision.
0: I just want to point out, I do know how that feels. That, that seems more sort of um, relatable from my point of view that you just feel like, ah, you know, changing the whole direction of my thinking um would really would really involve a lot of work here so maybe i'll just
1: (laughs) but even with minor things like dessert like like let's say i say to you okay which dessert do you want from this menu
0: yeah so glad they're doing a brisk business here (laughs) sure it's somebody gets a dollar for every pass in front of our microphone go ahead and I give
1: you I show you the desserts and you you look through them for a few minutes and you say okay I'm gonna have the apple pie and okay. I say okay great and then I leave and you're really excited about having the apple pie and I come back and I say oh I'm so sorry we're out of apple pie mm-hmm. and then you're like oh man you just you know that's you had you had your heart set on that and now you have to rethink I Which do rem- one? Was I do the best remember
0: one? that. I do remember having those kinds of feelings about things like food, and I just think, wow, I don't feel like that now. I have such
1: an attachment.
0: Yeah, I do very much try to cultivate um, a sense of being detached from things like that, and that's not necessarily a critical thinking um, idea on my part, but it is. It is. Uh, helpful i think from a critical thinking point of view because then i i literally don't care (laughs) like if they come back and they say you know what we lost all of our desserts be like oh wow okay well i'll just take the check
1: i would not i would not feel that way you
0: would not feel that way no i
1: would be like really i had my heart set on a dessert wow
0: yeah that's amazing again i i remember i remember having been very (laughs) invested before in the past in that and now you're more evolved than me well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to put it like that. I just find it very different because I think a lot of people are. I mean, I'm just thinking about people who I know well, and I think there are a lot of people who who become very invested in these kinds of choices, and I just. I see, the pain that that causes them sometimes, and I think to myself, "Wow, I don't have any." feelings about this whatsoever like it would be nice if it happened but if it doesn't happen it, it really doesn't make a difference at all and
1: no cognitive dissonance for you
0: uh-huh and I wonder sometimes if the pain that they experience now like maybe as adults or whatever if that is as maybe worth it maybe you can answer this right I mean do you get maybe a really big bump? in pleasure out of something like that if it doesn't fall through like is there somehow if it's this sort of thing where you've been really looking forward to it and then it happens is that is that somehow so overblown great that it makes up for the times when you're really disappointed that stuff didn't Well, happen? it's funny
1: you should say that cuz we did we have done a couple shows on the science of happiness. We who you and I. Oh, we'll
0: have to go back and check SoundCloud. Uh,
1: we did one on happy money. You all can search under SoundCloud here, and are Really mm. interesting research. And one of the things that yeah. they say is the anticipation yeah. of the dessert. Like the me sitting there going, looking at you going, oh, my gosh, they're bringing out a delicious apple pie. Like I'm savoring the thought of eating like that the anticipation builds it up whereas if they had just set this apple pie in front of me yeah i'd be like oh oh okay an apple pie great but i've invested emotionally in that apple pie and it's gonna it's gonna land the i'm gonna i'm gonna stick this meal this landing of this meal with this great dessert and if it's not there it's sort of like you know i'm okay it's i might be upset for a few minutes and then i move on
0: Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's not a long lasting thing because I'm sure that there are other restaurants, you know, somewhere, unfortunately. Can, <laughs> and other
1: desserts out there. You can always try to go. Well, actually, you know, I don't really eat dessert anymore. I oh. just my, I let my husband order and then I eat some of his.
0: Fair enough. How, however you do it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's interesting because I think there are a lot of things like this where people, for example, make relatively complicated plans. I mean, so just as another example, and I just, I, I, I want to talk about these examples because I think they're useful from a point of view of, how we might approach the world for me tell me how you feel about this scenario for me if there are plans made yes complicated long-term plans right say yeah and everybody's really invested in them right and we've you know got stuff ahead of time and everything's really lined up right we got right. A, got a whole
1: like a whole weekend planned around something. Oh, even
0: or even longer, right? Really? There's an agenda, etc., whatever. Yeah. If if we've got all that to going and it doesn't work out. Yeah. Like at the last minute it falls through or things get canceled or right. whatever. I it doesn't bother me. Really?
1: I don't
0: adjustments will be made and it bothers me. It bothers me that it bothers others. Really, like I feel disappointed
1: because because the other I see other people is, are is very really disappointed.
0: disappointed, and it's not that I'm happy that it went like this. It's just that it's okay with me if something else happens, as long as you know it's the same people or whatever, and we're able to spend, you know, the same time and all that. That's disappointed me when that doesn't work out. But in terms of the of the what we do and what we've planned and right. the, the, like what, a
1: vacation or something, what we
0: anticipated. Well, again, right. as long as we can still do something.
1: I don't, you're not that, you're not that attached
0: to it. I mean, sometimes I guess, but yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm really okay. And I know, I guess a lot of people aren't because they, I don't know why. I mean, you, you would be more attached. Do you think you would feel a lot of disappointment under that? Situation or no? Um,
1: I probably would if it was like a vacation. Let's say, give that yeah. as an example. Mm-hmm. But I think some. T- you're. I think the other thing about you, though, is you're a little more easygoing in terms of, like, I don't think you're. You get tied up in the details. I mean, I things. have to.
0: Well,
1: <laughs> sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to. But I'm just saying, I don't think that's. I think you're more easygoing generally.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Does that mean that I that does that mean that I don't care about those? No.
1: Yeah. No, it doesn't mean. It's just it's a good way to be. It's you're practicing some non attachment. That's I that's guess. a. I but guess. human beings like our natural state is to want what we want when we want it. It's sort is that of our an ego. State? I think there's an egocentric sense of, for many of us of. Um, Thinking things and and things coming together, or desserts, or things you purchase are going to make you happy.
0: Yeah, but those.
1: I mean, it's not really those things, right? It's no, the, it isn't. It is not really those things. It's the, the getting ac- or the acquiring them, or the getting them, the desiring them, and then when you get it, you just want something else.
0: I don't know about just. Well, I man. Anyway. Pretty cynical, there.
1: I know. Well,
0: <laughs> I thought I was the cynical.
1: What are you doing? Well, you kind of are. Uh-huh. You kind of are. All right. A couple other things before we talk about what you can do to be more open to other points of view and to have people be more open to your points of view. Okay. Okay. All right. So one of the things you need to to remember, and this is this is back what Elizabeth, this author. Her her name again is Elizabeth svoboda okay she says if doubt prompts people to double down rather than reflect which she said that is a another flaw in our human programming okay okay does that mean it's futile to start a dialogue with those you dis- disagree with okay good question mm, typical good debates question as you've probably discovered aren't all that effective. Ugh. And if you start with the explicit goal of changing someone's mind, yeah. you're likely to get the opposite result. But if you are more focused on trying to share your point of view and hear their point of view just for the goal of let me let's let me hear what you have to say and I want to share what I have to say yeah. without the underlying intent to change their mind Uh ironically you're more likely to have an influence on their thinking
0: oh man i don't know i mean that's i understand that's what she says i'm 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 concerned about how we arrive at the idea that you're more likely
1: well she said it's easier said than done so she one of the things she says is try starting from the assumption that you won't change the other person's view but it's a kind of a balancing act. Like you want to share your point of view. You want to hear them, but you don't want to overly focus on getting them to agree with you. Uh So she said, you can strive to understand your conversational partner in ways that go beyond their views on controversial issues. So maybe you talk to them about their early years or you Uh ask them about their biggest personal challenge and their answers may give you unexpected insight into why they behave as they do. So you don't, well, you don't focus on this person as a point of view you know, but as a person. You know what
0: I'm going to say, right? What? You did, any what are you adi- any say? idea what
1: No, what are you going to say?
0: That is the most sophistic <laughs> approach to argumentation I have ever heard. Really? What a sly way So you know, if you're having trouble talking to him about the issue, get to know him as a person. Maybe you'll find some openings. Maybe you guys can talk about golf, and then once, you, once you're your fr- once once You sort of manipulate about- them? It sounds completely <laughs> manipulative. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't work because sophistry is pretty effective, but I am saying that what I was suggesting was, and I can see that she does not agree, which is fine, Was that, you know, confidence in reason is a really important characteristic. We got to have confidence that the rational process and the evidence-based process is is worthwhile or else critical thinking's out the window.
1: Well, I hate to break it to you, Brian, but a lot of these scenarios, critical thinking already is out the window. Uh... We've already established that most people aren't like, let me think critically about your point of view. Well, but...
0: Mm. But but my, I'm concerned that I'm supposed to be going to an event, right? I'm supposed to be giving people information to All help right. them make the best decision about whatever. And maybe they've done some research on the on their own, and maybe they haven't. But I'm supposed to go and give them this best information or whatever. And it sounds like it sounds like there's another airplane. <laughs> <laughs> sounds. In case you're at home, if you haven't been counting, I had to take my shoes off to keep up with it. All right. So it seems like if I'm going to that that thing, I'm making an assumption that the evidence, if I'm being just really straightforward with my reasoning and with my intentions. Right.
1: Let's say you met me and you're trying to convince me. I'm just going to present the evidence and I'm just going to
0: present the reasoning. And if the person rejects the evidence and the best reasoning that puts that together, I can go back and try to reevaluate that, but I should not change anything about what I believe is the clearest and most precise and fairest representation of the information and most relevant presentation of the information In my attempt to get you to see the logic of what I'm doing, if I'm trying to go through and soft pedal it in some way and try to just, well, you know, I know you don't want to do this because you think that it sounds like it's a bad idea, but... You remember those steaks that we had in Tahoe? Oh my gosh. Wasn't that a great night? And the wine. I really thought that you and I made a solid connection then. And I'm surprised that your thinking on this wouldn't be more in line with mine. Well you That know, just
1: seems trashy to me. Well, what do you think about this technique? Because if you don't try these techniques, you're gonna pretty be pretty lonely at that cocktail party. Here's she's another gonna, approach. She's about to punch me. What do you want this technique? Approach. Okay, try this one. When touchy Ow! topics arise, try a non-confrontational approach, like asking open-ended questions like, "How did you feel when you heard the US pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord?" Just just start with that question, "How did you feel?" How's that? That's not sophistic, is it?
0: Well, if the <laughs> so, sophistry is all about the motive. So, if it is the case that I am trying to make myself look more approachable as a conversation partner by asking
1: how i feel by
0: ask by approaching the conversation differently that is 100% a sophistic technique really yeah it's because i'm not letting the information or the logic speak for themselves i'm spinning my own delivery
1: No, you're you're opening the door for dialogue by saying, "How did I feel about the U.S. pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord?" But if what you, the
0: way you started it, implied to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that you actually don't care about how they feel, (laughs) well, (laughs) that you're really just using this (laughs) as a conversation (laughs) opener, as opposed to like you felt
1: bad, didn't you?
0: right it seems a little (laughs) little sophistic when you carry it forward like that yeah Yeah. well
1: Mm. well again you're going to be lonely at this cocktail party if you rely if you rely on logic because guess what nobody wants to hear that stuff nobody wants to hear people have already
0: turned off the radio so they probably don't know that they're listening to critical thinking for everyone on 106.5 FM WFMP LP Louisville Kentucky
1: what do you think of this technique watch this (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna convince you why you should buy property next to an airport that what do you think about airplanes you like modern technology don't you don't you like the idea of leaving this earth and coming back down on a different spot doesn't that sound how does that make you feel (laughs) how do you feel about airplanes How do you feel? How do you feel about airplane noise lulling you to sleep at night? Is that soothing? I love that. Is that soothing for you? What associations do you have with this drone of an airplane? I'm just curious (laughs) in your childhood. Does that bring back any happy memories? Mm. Okay, another technique she says. Share your own experience. Like someone. (laughs) She's being serious. Go ahead. Someone groped me at work, and no one believed me when I reported it. So okay. having an abuser in a position of power frightens me. Don't bring that up at a cocktail party, though. I'm not sure. That
0: was your suggestion for a cocktail party? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you I mean, I'm not trying to minimize anybody's, you know, terrible experiences. That just isn't the way. I mean... Talk about shaping the situation. So,
1: I mean, good lord, Um, okay. So talking from your experience (laughs) can be a way to help people relate to you as a human being and not not just a a, a, a logical, Uh, philosophical, Clear thinking, rational being. Right, but the thing is that Maybe we need a more logical,
0: <laughs> logical, rational questions. What are we talking about? That that's the software There's too much thinking what are that goes Oh, yeah, we talking about And in college. my old Jesus. buddy over here. <laughs> Anybody and need to drink something for the bar? I'm making yours a double It makes worry. us less likely to really oh. engage with new ideas, I think.
1: oh you're right. And she says, "You know what? You should not do. This oh, is important. Okay. Do not demonstrate contempt for the other person's point of view.
0: Yeah, I know that's why she's. I know that's why she's making all the suggestions that she is. Right. I, I understand that, and I, I. get that, and I. I do appreciate her attempt to be. I'll, I'll just call it intellectual empathic. Okay, if you want to call it fair-minded, her attempt to bring the other in. I get that. I I just think that opening the door for the other to come in can be done by opening the door, and it can be done by digging the floor out from under them so they slide through the door.
1: Well, you you have already talked about your history of doing that when know, it comes to conversations. I know. Conversations. I know what I'm yeah. yeah, sure.
0: I mean, I just find... Yeah. I guess... It's a fine line. Maybe it's about intention. Maybe it's not about technique.
1: I, I she guess, says it should you know. not be about one-upsmanship. one, one upsmanship. And ah. that's... Okay. So yeah. before we run out of time, i got to okay. run two things by you. Go for what it. What she would say about this. In the last two weeks, I've had two people I know basically disavow any friends that vote for Trump. And, like, one person said to me... I well, I don't think I can be friends with this other person, this mutual friend anymore, because they support Trump. And the other friend posted something on Facebook and said, basically, if you believe in Trump, you and I live in different universes. Unfriend me now. Here are the instructions. And posted the instructions on how to, I cannot be friends with you. Well, I've been seeing that now actually for years, frankly. I mean, that's not new. No, but just something in the last couple weeks I've had a couple people I know really express that. Yeah, and I
0: think that that's, I mean, I think that political stuff is polarizing. And I think it's one of the reasons why people take it so seriously in terms of their friend groups. And I, I, even though I suppose it's a little bit disappointing, I don't really find it surprising
1: well, I, I think in this difficult time as we head up to an election year, yeah. asking someone, hey, tell me how you feel when we pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord, you could get a response that actually could be full of expletives.
0: Well, and it actually could be incredibly informative also. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't get good information. I'm not saying that you don't probe into people's assumptions. I'm not saying that you don't learn things about the other point of view. By doing by doing this by asking these kinds of questions it's just that if we want to know these kinds of things we ought to act, we ought to ask them we ought to ask questions if we're going to be as fair-minded as we can be I think we ought to ask questions that are in line with our intent. And so if our intention is to just gain general information about this person and this is the way I open it up well so be it. If the if the if the intention is to get some very specific information and I open it up this way in order to soften them up and to gain, um, you know, like
1: some emotional currency with them.
0: Yeah. Or in order to gain some um, useful intelligence about other aspects of their lives that I can use to then uh, leverage my. Position, I mean, geez, those, all of that, all of that's very coercive, and even if it's done on a very small scale, it's nonetheless manipulative and it's sophistic. And we can use our critical thinking tools for that work, but people ought to be called out when they do because it's um it's not uh, in the best use of the critical thinking.
1: So this takes us back to the initial question of the uh-huh. article, uh-huh. 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 which is. Uh-huh. Maybe, why is it so hard to change people's minds? Maybe it's, why? Why? What's your goal of trying to change someone's mind?
0: I just want to give people the better, the best information and hopefully I've helped them think it through in a way if they've asked me to, but maybe I've presented it in a way where you know, people who... Are interested in thinking through this topic could arrive at the information on their own. I mean, I don't know. I find uh, these days in education, people want you to be way more explicit than that. I just know that that was how we did it at Yee Old Hanover College, right? <laughs> I mean, you just, um, they lay it out there for you. And it's like, well, if you want to follow these intellectual breadcrumbs, you get something neat, kid. And if you don't, well, you don't have to graduate from this organization. You know, I mean, it goes go, go do the work or yourself or, or don't. And I tell you, a lot of people aren't interested in that. No. So. Well, it's
1: been an interesting conversation. Do we have
0: to end on a down note? I guess we, we do. end on
1: a positive note?
0: Is there, is there a positive note to be had? I'm not sure it's an up note, but I'll gladly tell you a story. Thanks for listening to the show, by the way, today. Every year, my buddy takes a week during the summer to relax at a cabin in the woods in Maine. One night, just after he had arrived, he's sitting in the cabin, and he heard a knock at the door. He opened the door, didn't see anybody. I mean, it's out in the woods, right? But he looked down, and there, right at the threshold of the door, was this very small snail. It annoyed him a little bit to have his, um, you know, alone time uh, interrupted in this way. So he, he picked up the snail, and he Threw it as far as he could out in the woods. So, went back and enjoyed his time at the cabin. Three years later, my buddy's back at this cabin for another retreat. Okay. There's a knock at the door. He opens the door. He doesn't see anything. But then he remembers and he looks down. And there's that same snail. The snail says, What the hell was all that about? Maybe, maybe that one's for everyone. Maybe this one is more in line with what you're thinking about me right now. A guy takes a vow of silence when he joins a monastery. He's only allowed to say two words every seven years. After the first seven years, the elders bring him in and ask him for his two words. Cold floors, he says. They nod and they send him away. Seven more years pass. They bring him back in and ask for his two words. He clears his throat. throat) Bad food, he says. They nod and send him away. Seven more years pass. They bring him in for his two words. I quit, he says. That's not surprising, the elders say. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. Oh, yeah, come on. You know that one's for everyone. You know, the jokes, I mean, it might be a little redundant, but uh, some of these, I mean, we haven't trotted them out for quite some time. Uh, Some of them, of course, are, you know, more helpful as far as jokes go than others. Uh, I think I have a pretty decent example here. Don't let this happen to you. Uh, Two cars get into an accident. You know what happens. And they're out on a quiet road. It's late at night. Crash is pretty big, though. Both cars are pretty messed up. There's debris all over the road. But the drivers are able to walk away. They sit down on the curb. They make sure, uh, each one makes sure the other one's okay, and they start exchanging insurance information. It's okay, right? While they're writing down the details, one of them notices that a bottle of scotch um, from their back seat has landed unscathed on the road in front of them so uh so that person direct grabs the bottle and says hey it's a good thing we're alive how about a little drink to settle our nerves the other one says sure grabs the bottle takes a gulp and hands it back the uh the first driver puts down the bottle without taking a sip hey says the second driver aren't you gonna have a drink too nah first driver says thought i'd wait for the police to get here timing. We're not saying it's not important. Critical thinking and other stuff, right? Hey, look, I don't know if you thought about uh, donating to Forward Radio lately, but uh, these jokes aren't free, right? I mean, they they come with a cost, and that is that I am going to ask you to go to forwardradio.org and make a donation so that we can continue to bring great programming like Critical Thinking for Everyone to you uh, through the Hayburn Building and all the complicated technology there. It takes about 20 bucks a day. And uh, we hope that you are amenable to that and that you'll do that and that you'll maybe even think about starting your own show or joining our board or any number of other things because we really need help. Uh, we always need community engagement. This thing is about the people. It's for the people. It's supposed to get voices out there and encourage new voices to try radio um, and to try to um, you know, make this medium useful and valuable for everyone in the community so uh, help us out go to forwardradio.org give us some cash give us your advice and thanks for being part of this effort
1: Well, maybe the positive note is instead of focusing on changing other people's minds, you need to be focused on opening your own mind.
0: Well, we need to definitely focus on opening our own minds. There's no question about that. And uh, that's something that we can do, and it's something that other people have done. And as we... Move through the week this week. We definitely want to bring in those thinking practices that are the most useful. And even if other people are sometimes frustrating to us with their thinking, we should always strive to do the best thinking that we can do. These tools are super helpful and they really are for everyone.
1: Even you.